Welcome to Behind the Study, the podcast from the Institute for Hospitality and Tourism Research at Ryerson University. I'm Brian, and this season I'm continuing my quest to learn about the people behind the research coming out of Ryerson and exploring the various paths that a career in research can take. This episode features Dr. Chris Gibbs. Dr. Gibbs first came to Ryerson as a hospitality and tourism student in 1984 with the initial goal to become a hotel general manager. He later completed the Ted Rogers MBA program and is now in his second year as the chair at the School of Creative Industries. This episode explores his entire career journey that includes various rabbit holes he's gone down through his research and the aha moments that led him there. Keep listening to find out more on Behind the Study. My name is Chris Gibbs. I am an associate professor um, right now, presently at the School of Creative Industries, but my home school is with the Ted Rogers School of Management and the School of Hospitality and Tourism. Great, great. And can you talk about uh, a little bit what you're doing with the School of Creative Industries? Yeah, at the School of Creative Industries, I'm um, the chair of the program. So uh, that means I've got academic administrative responsibilities, but um, it's a very interesting program because we actually collaborate and do work with the School of Hospitality and Tourism, um, both in that we share a program called the Business of the Events and Live Entertainment Management. We have a minor in that that we've co-developed with them. And as a school, we've also, um, I've done several research projects with with, uh, a faculty member there named Louis Etienne Dubois, on video games and tour, video gaming and tourism, but Louis doing uh, placemaking research with another faculty member in the School of Hospitality too. So there are there's a lot of connections between I, what I call the cultural sector and the hospitality sector. I think you act as a really great bridge between the two programs, and I'm sure we'll be we'll hear a little bit more about some of that work you've done with uh, both programs as we get into this interview. Sure. So behind this study really is about researching researchers. So I'm really doing my my study of you as a researcher today. So as uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a (laughs) massive undertaking, but I think we can do it. I'd like to start with an abstract. And to do that, I'd like you to as briefly as possible, you know, in about five sentences or less, can you describe who you are as a researcher? As a researcher, I uh, am a naturally curious person that tends to go down um, different rabbit holes for a couple of years until I feel like my interest is done or my impact is my curiosity solved. So I've gone down about three different rabbit holes in the last uh, five or six years. One is I went down the rabbit hole of Twitter and social media. Uh, I went down the rabbit hole of um, Airbnb and the sharing economy. And then I've also uh, more recently going down a rabbit hole related to behavioral sciences. So, Great, great. I like that. Uh, I, I know from, uh, from, you know, being your student that you've 
you've worked in a variety of different sectors and you bring a really diverse array of experiences to the table. So that leads me into the next section, which is what I'm calling the methodology, sort of the yep. process to where you've been and how you've gotten to where you are now. So my question for you is what have been sort of the, the milestones or highlights from your career? Uh, I know you, you mentioned you started planning to be a hotel manager. What path did you take to end up as the chair of your creative industries? Um, I didn't take a traditional path for an academia. I came to academia late in life, so I didn't really start until I was probably in my 40s, early 40s. But prior to that, I, I, I really just followed opportunities that came my way. I, when I was in university, did lots of different things. I had like five different jobs going at the same time. And um, I just kept doing one thing and somebody would approach me and say, hey, you want to come work for us here? Oh, I go over there. So I've, I've really gotten an opportunity to work in all sorts of different industries in different roles. I probably hadn't held the same job for more than two years, for basically most of my career um, prior to coming to academia, all the way through my 20s and my 30s. Um, so I've worked in live music. Um, I've worked in live entertainment from a live musical theater that is worked at video arcades, I've worked in sports, I've worked in rock and roll, um, in the travel business too. Uh, so it's been it's been great because I've been actually able to have a lot of freedom to explore lots of different industries and do different things. But in all of those industries, I was always working in the business side of it. And I always really have a knack on sort of the sales side of putting bums in seats typically or bums in a venue and um, or people in a venue and selling tickets to things. And with that, always trying to find the white space that somebody else isn't doing something, or I've gotten really good at understanding how to fill an empty venue. So if the facility's empty on a Friday night, how do you make it busy on a Friday night? Or a certain uh, sporting event has problems selling tickets on a Sunday, what can you do to sell tickets to it? Uh, all that kind of stuff. You, you, you introduced some of the key areas that you do research on, such as Twitter yeah. or behavioral sciences. I'm, I'm interested to know what about those topics initially sparked your interest and, and why have you uh, decided to, to devote your time and attention to these areas? Well, I mean, the three areas, literally every one of them, and it, it's kind of like if you track down in, in the world of creativity, you have what we call aha moments where you go, oh, aha, I got to do that. And um, they're, they're, and, and they're each one of them has their own aha moment. So as an example, I, I went down a path to do an entire PhD on Twitter, but that wasn't because I chose Twitter first. I was um, on a plane ride to go over to meet my, my PhD supervisor in, in Scotland. And um, my PhD proposal was on corporate social responsibility in professional sports because I'd had a background in that professionally. So on the plane ride, I read about this guy named Ashton Kutcher. Are you familiar with Ashton Kutcher? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so Ashton yeah. Kutcher was the first individual to get a million followers on Twitter. So really? he had a million followers before CNN had a million followers, before ABC, before Disney, before any corporate entity had a million followers. An individual had a million followers. And I just went, wow, that is going to shift things. Something is going to be different. <laughs> uh, 
And this is back in, I think, 2008, 2009. So Twitter didn't have what it is today. And I just thought, okay, I went into my advisor's office the next morning when I got off the plane and I said, I need to change my topic. Mm. And I'd done some work and said, I think that this has some merit. And uh, he agreed. So I spent a good chunk of my beginning years as an academic chasing um, and trying to understand the use of an application of social media and use of Twitter and sort of a sporting context. So that was my first rabbit hole. Um, my second rabbit hole was, um, was Airbnb. And there was two aha moments. That, well, there was really one aha moment that made me go, wow. And we have a professor in our, in our school at, at Ryerson named Norman Shaw. And he, he teaches a, a course in IT management and, and, and that to our students. Anyway, we had a, an advisors board meeting and Norman at the advisory board with all these people from the hotel industry had said to everybody, um, you guys think Twitter's gonna have any impact on your business? And what was interesting is there's somebody been in the hotel business for like 25 years said, no, nah, it's not even close. Another person in the hotel business said, no, nah, not even close. Not even gonna have any impact. You know, totally different market. And then there's this gentleman on our, on our board of advisors that's been in the restaurant business for like 30 years. He was probably 75 years old. And he said, if you guys don't think Twitter's going to impact your business, you're, you're losing, you're crazy. My wife basically plans and shops for every one of our holidays <laughs> using Airbnb nonstop. And I just went, okay, that's some, that, that there's something there, right? That, that, <laughs> This is going to be really significant. Um, so I went down the Airbnb rabbit hole. And then more recently, my, my one around um, behavioral psychology is I've just fundamentally believed in the hospitality business and in what we do. It's all about creating an emotional connection or it's all about serving humans. Now, the problem is, is we don't teach people how human behavior, right? So I think if I can do a better job of understanding, I guess I would call applied human behavior and how it can apply to in a business context and how you can use a deeper knowledge of human behavior to basically develop a better experience for customers um, or better train your employees on how to deal with people from a human perspective, I think you're even better off because I've always believed that training, I always, I've been in the hospitality business for a long time. So you know, people put you through a training program. And I would rather teach the old adage, I'd rather teach you how to teach a man, a man or a woman to fish um, for a day rather than feed them, right? Because they can feed themselves. That's the whole adage. And I also believe that in training, we always train them to do this or do this standard. Here's our standard. Why don't we just train people as to why we do this? Like, why do we have these standards? You know, oh, well, we, we, we basically have this rule around you know, greeting somebody within five feet by looking in the eyes and doing this. Why? Because it's, there, there's a better likelihood they're going to uh, appreciate it. Things are right. You're going to, because you develop a human, a human reaction and stuff like that. You're naturally curious about different things. And I think that's a great quality in a researcher, of course. Um, but I think it also can, can lead to a very, very interesting career. I hope so. I mean, I, I, I've chased, you know, those are three rabbit holes. I'm, I'm probably going to have one more rabbit hole before I'm done. 
the you know I, I don't also think it's probably not great because I don't think I have the attention span to stay on something okay after I've done it and I feel like I've I've learned what I can I seem to move on mm-hmm. and I, if I look back at my career I've, it's probably similar right and that I literally have never done the same job for more than two years so right um, right then I probably have carried that through to my research, which probably isn't what most academics would do. No, I was going to say it's uh, I've talked to many who stick with the same in the same general general field, which I definitely see the merit in that. Um, yep. But I, I think it's an interesting contrast to uh, to kind of have a little bit of a uh, bit more variety. So moving on to the next section then of our study, which is the results. I'm yep. wondering what kind of results or impact all of these different studies and experiences you've had have had on you as a person or a researcher, academic, teacher, otherwise. I mean, the first, let's use the Twitter and my my work in social media. I think your first sort of area of discovery, uh, I think that you're you're just learning the scientific method, right? Your first area, you're just learning the process of research, right? and the rigor that's required and you're you're because I, I firmly believe you you have to learn you have to learn by mistakes right like you learn by doing that's the best human way to learn yeah i can read it something in a textbook or i can experience it i'll experience it and remember it better so i mean that that area was just sort of my beginning in learning how to become a researcher right um the airbnb by the time i'd gotten to that sort of area and that kind of research topic I had had some confidence and I, I really, what made the difference for me is I really understood the value of collaborating in my research. So uh, prior to that, most of my social media stuff was me driving all of the work. By the time I was working on Airbnb, I was working with a collective of three or four different people that all brought different things to the table. And I had the fortunate opportunity of working with um, a woman by the name of Ulrich Gretzel who really was amazing and gave me a lot of confidence in my work. And um, I learned a ton from, I worked with people like Kelly McKay, who's an incredible researcher. I worked with Tom, Tom Griffin in our faculty a little bit. I've worked with, you know, a number of different people. So I learned really that collaboration's key in my second rabbit hole. And my third rabbit hole I'm on right now in behavioral sciences is I, I've really learned that I need to focus on it. It's tough to do research if you, are doing lots of different things. So uh, the only time I was really successful in getting a lot of research published and produced was in the summer months um, when I wasn't teaching or doing anything. And I find it really hard to do research if you if you have like lots of classes to teach or lots of other things to do. So um, I look forward to really being able to get more into the behavioral sciences side when I you know can get on a sabbatical or I can take a semester off or do something like that. Moving on to our next section, which is the limitations. I'm interested, uh, you, you've touched on some things briefly, but have you encountered any particular challenges or obstacles throughout your career? And is there any advice you can give to people on how they could overcome similar obstacles in the future? Um, as my role now, I, I meet with our younger faculty that are in our department and I just want to make sure they've got a research agenda that can help them get through to tenure. So I think more than anything, especially in the beginning, is just stay focused, right? Um, you need to not not chase a bunch of rabbit holes. Stay in one area, 
become an expert in that area, try to publish two to four different articles in that area, get to know different journals, get to know um, different communities that you your work is relevant within. Um, and that's probably the biggest piece of advice is just in the beginning become very narrow because I think researching the most successful researchers don't aren't broad in their topic research. They're very specialized and very, very um, unique. And I think that that's what you need to try to do is, is find what your very, very specialized work is in, right? So. That's great advice. Something that we could all kind of learn from those of us, you know, entering the fields or uh, thinking about perhaps becoming a researcher. That's something that's important to, to keep in mind. I am interested if you're, if you're able to talk about anything you're looking forward to in the future to studying or uh, anything you're curious about, uh, maybe exploring perhaps. Pre-COVID, <laughs> yeah. I had some time to spend and, and I actually worked with you on it. It was awesome. I worked on some behavioral sciences stuff and it was behavioral impacts as it relates to social change. Um, but I really do want to spend some, like really dig into behavioral sciences and applied behavioral sciences. Uh, I have been buying books ferociously. Uh, I have a shelf full of about 20 different books on behavioral economics right now or um, uh, emotions. And I look forward to getting the time off to just uh, throw myself at it and not think about uh, anything else but that. Okay. I'm happy to hear that, uh, yeah, that project is still, you know, on the back burner for you. I That was a really fun, uh, fun topic to work on. Um, and I know that it kind of got a little derailed uh, over the summer, well, but... Literally, uh, it was March 13th. It was supposed to deliver the first workshop and uh, it didn't happen. Yeah, like yeah. First day of COVID and they shut down. But, but we're scheduled to do it in January in an online version. Um, I'm working with another uh, individual to do a version of it as it relates to the automotive industry and automotive retail. Um, more from a training development type perspective or human, what we call human capital consulting. So we'll see. I, I'm, still, I'm still playing with the area, but most of my play is in developing training programs or modules to make people more aware of behave, the behavioral sciences. Mm. Uh, or behavioral economics or behavioral insights, whatever term you want to use, and how they can potentially apply it in a professional environment. I see. Clearly, it's a very multifaceted uh, field that's really widely applicable. Well, it's great. I'm looking forward to seeing kind of where you go with that in the future. So thanks for sharing. Yep. We have one final section of our study before we wrap up. I don't know if you would be able to guess. Um, thinking about their, our typical research article structure, but it is indeed yep. the references. And okay. I'd love to uh, hear if you have any references, any people, things, moments that you would like to highlight in particular as having a strong influence on you and your career. I think that the my references would be uh, the people I've worked with, right? So, I mean, the citations, if you were to say, is, you know, somebody like Kelly McKay, uh, who I worked with on an article and um, and was a colleague I worked with in hospitality. And then, you know, Ulrich Gretzel was was significant. Those two those two women really sort of are my references. My other one is I had a mentor 
Um, I had a mentor for becoming an academic named David Martin, um, who sort of got me down the path to become an academic. And he was very influential to me. And then my one of my other sort of mentors was a woman by the name of Wendy Sukier. And she's probably the most prolific researcher at Ryerson probably now. But she was the director of her MBA program when I did it. And, uh, and, and she was just very instrumental in me understanding what it takes to become uh, an academic or to be, get a PhD. I mean, her belief is, and I actually firmly believe it is, in order to get a PhD, you don't have to be smart, right? You don't have to be off the chart crazy smart. You just have to be um, just dogged in your approach and, you know, make a plan and follow through on the plan and get it done. Right. So don't, um, you know, because what it is about is demonstrating that you have a handle on the academic process or the research, the process of research. And you demonstrate that you can do that process by completing a significant research project. So I, I can't tell you the number of people, Brian, that I've met that have taken 10 years to do a PhD or seven years or still haven't got it done. Right. You know, and, and when I say, well, I got it done in four years while I was working full time, they're like, what? How did you do that? Well, you just, <laughs> just make a plan and stick to the plan and just, you know, tick away at it little, you know, every summer, write a paper, every summer, write a significant chapter and, and you'll get there. My references are, are maybe not documents, but they're the people that have been important in my journey. Mentors and, and inspirations are absolutely people that I think can really shape who you are and who you become. I think anyone who has found a topic that they're passionate about and, you know, devote their time to will, will ultimately be successful. I, of course, always appreciate talking to you and, and having you share your insight um, and even better to have it, you know, captured uh, in audio form on this podcast. Before we wrap up, uh, I'd love to give you an opportunity if there's any last uh, things you would like to share, any closing remarks that you have. No, other than I miss my family in the School of Hospitality and Tourism. That's all. Uh, we miss you too. You're never too far away. And No, I'm not. And <laughs> when we you. get back together, I'll get in to see everybody. So, Of course. We look forward to that day. Thank okay. you so much, Dr. Gibbs, for being here. Great. Thanks, Brian. That brings us to the end of my study of Dr. Chris Gibbs. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Dr. Gibbs' past, current, and future research interests as much as I did. Behind the Study is a podcast from the Institute for Hospitality and Tourism Research at Ryerson University. Follow us on LinkedIn as well as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HTM Research and visit our website at htmresearch.ca. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Goodbye.